Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, aka Triumvir Clio. Hello again. If you're listening on the day this drops, it's the last day of September, and I'm not sure how that happened. This month has gone really fast. Maybe it's my because my daughter has started remote kindergarten and we're still adjusting to the new rhythm, or maybe it's just because time has gone all Jeremy Barramy. At any rate, I hope your fall or spring or whatever season it is, when and where you're listening to this, is going well and that you're still fighting the good fight. Um, today, we have book five of the Odyssey. And there's something very fitting about reading this epic at this point in history. The Odyssey is as much of a psychological journal as it is a physical one, and the trials that Odysseus encounters seem about right for 2020. Um, But we're still at the beginning. As you'll recall, the first four books follow Telemachus on his journey and coming of age. So today we'll start the story that you were probably expecting if this is your introduction to the Odyssey. Book five opens on Olympus. Dawn rises and wakes the rest of the gods. Athena speaks of Odysseus. Hasn't he suffered enough already? And now his son is about to be ambushed by the suitors? Surely it's time for the gods to intervene. Zeus agrees. He sends Athena to protect Telemachus and sends Hermes to tell Calypso that it's time to let Odysseus go. Zeus doesn't, however, agree for it to be easy. Odysseus will have no companions. He has to build a raft, and it will take him 20 days to reach the island of Scaria, where the Phaeacians live. And then they will help him get back to Ithaca. And that was all just Zeus, which means we get a repeat of it when Hermes flies down to Calypso's island, because orality! Um, He doesn't see Odysseus when he reaches the island, because Odysseus is sitting on the shore crying, but of course he sees Calypso. Um, So Hermes and Calypso sit down for a cuppa, and she asks him what brings him to her island. Hermes gives her a hard time about greeting him with an interrogation. And then he tells her that Zeus made him come, because there's no good reason for anyone to go to the middle of nowhere where there aren't any cities or people or sacrifices to the gods. So (laughs) we know how Hermes feels about where Calypso lives. He gives her Zeus's message, um, and Calypso goes from being a friendly homemaker to an angry goddess. She yells about how it's okay for a god to sleep with a mortal, but if a goddess dares to do the same, it's an unacceptable double standard. And she earned her relationship with Odysseus. After all, she rescued him from his shipwreck. She's fed him and loved him and offered him immortality. And now Zeus says she has to give him back. Hermes shrugs and tells her that she can take it up with Zeus. And Calypso backs down and agrees to do as asked. Hermes flies back to Olympus, but the story stays with Calypso and Odysseus. She goes to find him. Odysseus is sitting on the shore. He's homesick. He still sleeps with Calypso every night, but he wants to go home. Calypso tells him that she's thought about it, and she's decided that he can leave, if he wants to. And she'll help. She directs him to build a raft and tells him that she's gathered provisions. Odysseus is surprised by this news. After all, he's been stuck on her island for years. He tells her that she needs to swear to let him go before he'll even start building a raft. Calypso rolls her eyes and then swears by the earth, the sky, and the river Styx. Then they have dinner. 
Calypso asks if he really wants to go back to Ithaca when he could be an immortal here with her. But Odysseus insists that he misses his wife. He still sleeps with Calypso again, but yeah. Odysseus takes four days to build the raft, and on the fifth day, Calypso sends him on his way. It's smooth sailing for 17 days. Now, you may be thinking that's a weird number, but you'll recall that Zeus said it would take 20 days for him to reach the Phaeacians, and 20 minus 17 gives us a very nice mythological number of three. So after 17 days, Odysseus spies the shores of Scaria, and after 17 days, Poseidon is on his way home from Ethiopia when he realizes that Odysseus is back on his way home too. That's no good, so he sends a massive storm that breaks apart the raft and tosses Odysseus on the sea for three days. Odysseus complains that after all of the opportunity he had to die a hero's death at Troy, now he's going to die a natural death at sea, and that just sucks if you're a Greek hero. But Odysseus is not just any hero. I know, a sea nymph sees him. She's the daughter of Cadmus and used to be human before she got turned into a nymph. She swims over and gives him her veil. She tells him that it will make him immortal, but only temporarily. Once he reaches land, he's to take it off and toss it back to the sea. He just has to trust her. At first, Odysseus isn't so sure that he should, but ultimately he decides that either Poseidon will kill him or this nymph will, so he might as well try the nymph. He takes the veil, ties it around his chest, and begins the swim to shore. Poseidon sees him and decides to let him be and goes home. Athena creates a current for him to float on, but she tells him to grab onto one of the rocks when he reaches the shore. He's battered by the surf, but he still manages to work his way to the mouth of a river where the water is calm and the shore is free from rocks and sheltered from the wind. He climbs onto the shore and rests before taking off Ino's veil and throwing it back into the sea as he'd been told. He kisses the ground and thanks the gods for his safe ish landing. Then he crawls under some bushes and buries himself in a bed of leaves. He goes to sleep under the watchful eye of Athena, and that is where book five ends. Is this more of what you were expecting from the Odyssey? And what do you think of our titular hero? I'm so conflicted about him. This is a great story, but Odysseus and the ladies who aren't his wife whom he claims to miss. But that's not actually a topic that I'm going to talk about in this episode today. Um, I have much more literary things to look at. The big themes in this book are dichotomy and liminality. Um, I didn't go into detail on Calypso's Island um, and the description of it, but we get a detailed description. And that's where that's where we see the first dichotomy. Um, it's an island, but it's not able to be mapped. Ojigia moves. Um, it, the, a backstory, Calypso's been cursed. She's the daughter of Atlas and has been cursed to, to live on this island. Um, and... So nobody, you know, a traveler can land there, but they can never find the place again is, is the way the story goes. Um, so so it's not, yeah, it's not quite, it's an island, but it's not an island. It's both things at once. Um, anyway, 
So when Hermes arrives, we hear about all of the art and technology, the culture within her home. Um, but we also hear about all of the plants and animals and the nature outside of it. And it's it's both of these things at once. It is it it is both sides of the dichotomy um, of nature versus culture. It is also described in the description, we see it as a place of both procreation and a place of death. So it's a place of new life and a place of the end of life. And it's both of these things at once. Um, Now, as for liminality, um, I've told you that this is going to come up a lot in this epic. And book five is just, it's full of examples of liminality. They all relate to Odysseus, which is why some scholars argue that the journey he is on is completely in his own head. Um, But we're still pretty early in the epic, so I don't want to go into too much of that interpretation yet. Um, And I swear I actually have made a note to talk about it when we get to book 24 and do a whole wrap up looking at the epic as a whole. So liminality. Liminality is neither here nor there. Um, So it's not the same as what I mean by the dichotomy of Calypso's island. Her island is two divergent things at the same time. Um, Liminality is the space between those things. Um, It's the hyphen between the words. So it's not both things. It's something in between those things. Um, So we find Odysseus on the shore, which means he is not on land, nor is he on sea. The dichotomy would be the land and the sea together, but he's somewhere in between. He's in that hyphen between the land and the sea. He, to him, the island is a liminal place. Um, And his relationship with Calypso, therefore, is a liminal relationship. It's, It's not real. It's more dreamlike than that. So it makes sense that even though he has a goddess to sleep with every single night, which he does, um, he prefers his marriage to Penelope and he wants to go home to his wife because Penelope is real. Penelope exists in the real world, not this liminal place that Ogygia is. Um, so when we leave him at the end of book five, he's he's wrapped himself up in these leaves like he's in a cocoon um, or a chrysalis, depending on what he's going to turn into, right? Liminal places are where transformation happens. And so what happens inside a cocoon? A moth grows out of, out of caterpillar or inside a chrysalis, a butterfly grows, right? We know what happens there, right? So the final description of him in those leaves wrapped in that cocoon is that he's an ember waiting to burst back into flame. So an ember, again, an ember isn't fire. It's potential fire. It's liminal fire. It is neither not burning nor burning. It is somewhere in between. And yes, I could talk about liminality for hours. I, it's a topic that I love. Um, I love, I love it because it is so, when you think about your life, you can find it in your own experience. So it is so real in how surreal it is. Um, but I will leave it, I'll leave it here for now. And we can talk more about liminality on the blog. I would love to, uh, talk to you there about it. The link 
as always, is in the show notes. Um, On Friday, we have a short episode about the Homeric Hymn to the Mother of the Gods, and I'll talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.